Yes, yes. sir. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. <clears throat> Excuse me. Kind Father, in Jesus' name. <clears throat> kind Father, in Jesus' name, let our character please you daily. Remove things mm-hmm. from us that doesn't represent and please you. We thank yes, you for another yes. day to be in your presence. Our soul yes. love you and are delighted to have you in our lives. Thank yes. you for hiding us behind your cross one more time mm-hmm. where the no, devil no, no. cannot find us and our seed. Forgive yes, us Lord. for... Excuse me. I'm sorry. Forgive us for our sin of omission and commission. Prepare mm-hmm. our heart and mind to receive your rhema word on this morning. I am covering mm-hmm. myself, the listeners, our family member, with the blood of Jesus, that we will not get any backlashes from this prayer. Father, you, continue Jesus. to open doors of favor for this ministry and the overseer mm-hmm. and his family. In Jesus' you, name, and God continue, mm-hmm. Lord, to give the CD, middle school, elementary, and high school and college children the mind of Christ and oh, yes, the remembering yes. of how God had been kind to them last school yes. year and let them be yes. focused and keep their mind on learning. In Jesus' Thank name you. we pray. Amen. This is a time for us to praise God. As uh, the word says, you know, we have to open our mouth, you know, wide. And, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, when we start to praise him, uh, uh, the Bible says he will fill our mouth with gladness. One of the words says that he will fill our mouth with joy. Mm-hmm. Um, there is a difference between a joy and happiness. Mm-hmm. The happiness is a temporal thing that is externally induced, mm-hmm. whereas the joy is a relational thing. It is mm-hmm. about, you know, what joyful I am inside is nothing mm-hmm. to do with my outside. It's nothing to do with mm-hmm. what I have or have not. Yes. Hallelujah. It is yeah. based on our relationship with our Father. Yes. yes. Oh, thank you. Mm. And so we'll open the floor to see if there is any praise this morning. Yeah, Yeah, I do have a praise this morning. I think um, several several weeks ago, um, I asked you all to pray with me for my friend Annie Ravnell. And um, she she went in the hospital on July 5th. Mm -hmm. And um, today she's out of the hospital, you know, she was in ICU, she couldn't do anything, she couldn't feed herself, close herself, she couldn't um, walk. Two weeks yes. ago, she couldn't walk. But mm-hmm. I am so grateful to God today, she is walking. She's on her walk she's walking on her own. She's feeding herself, she's doing everything she can with her hands, but she couldn't even move them. A couple of weeks ago, and God has blessed her. So today, she celebrates her 88th birthday. Amen. Amen. 
For this lady, she is so strong in faith, and God has brought her back from a mighty, mighty trial the last past month. She is just, she's doing really, doing really great, and she's moving to North Carolina with her daughter on Tuesday. Um, she's not able to stay in the house on Chapel Street by herself because she has um, all I say is bedrooms. And the children don't mm-hmm. trust her staying by herself. So yeah. just yeah. Um, continue to pray for Ms. Annie Ramnell. She's just a blessing. She's been a blessing to me. She was my traveling partner from church to church throughout the Tri-County area. We went to every program almost, every anniversary for the ushers. We just done everything together. And I thank God mm-hmm. for her. And thank you all for looking her up in prayer, and God did answer our prayers. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Praise the Lord. You know, the thing is, that is just the beginning, Miss Barbara. More to come, you know. Yes. Yes. Yes, we got to give him the glory. I give him the glory. He's just a good God. Amen. Amen. Um, I know last week we were praying for uh, Brother Terry. I don't know whether he's on the line today, but I uh, um, got a note from his wife, Ruth. Um, uh-huh. You know, she says, this was uh, something that I sent already, Ms. Sarah. She says, Terry has had a stroke the previous mm-hmm. night. This was last Saturday, right? Mm-hmm. 90% of his left carotid is blocked. Uh, it's better, but it was touch and go on Sunday morning early. He began getting better as the prayers were being offered. Amen. We're so thankful for a healing father and a good Christian friend. Yes. Now, as we were praying, we saw, like, this is amazing how we are all in different places. We are, some are in Charlotte, some are in Charleston, some are in Maryland, mm-hmm. some are in, you know, different places. But mm-hmm. we offer our prayers to one God mm-hmm. who controls mm-hmm. it all. Oh, he, yeah. he controls the heavens and the earth. Mm-hmm. And that's being like that, you know, when we open our mouth and just like a lift up somebody in prayer, their name is dropped into a golden bowl that he smells mm-hmm. from his throat room. Mm-hmm. Amen. Okay. You know, so the prayers of the righteous avail it much. And that's the, that's the, hallelujah. Yes, hallelujah. 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 Praise the Lord now. Yes. Hey, good morning. This is Katina. Um, I just want to thank God this morning um, and give him acknowledgement for him being uh, just the God that we serve, you know, he is the El Shaddai, you know, God, the God of this universe, you know, he is our, you know, our defender, he is our source, and I just want to give acknowledgement to him this morning as being the head over all things, because he truly is, and, yeah. you know, yesterday morning I got up and, you know, I was just really weighted with, you know, thinking about some of this the circumstances and the things that's going on around the world, in particular um, Afghanistan. But, you know, I began to change my sadness into a just a thanksgiving 
unto God, you know, mm-hmm. because we, we, we look and we hear and we see all these things and we, you know, and I know a lot of people are saying, you know, what kind of God would allow something like that to happen? But, you know, the God that's in control of everything, that's the one, you know, and I just want to let him know that despite of everything that is going on, despite the tragedy that, um, you know, we're seeing every day and we're hearing every day, that I still thank him for being who he is. I thank him for being the God that he is in that situation. I may not understand it all. Uh, it may, you know, seem sad in cases, but, you know, I think the sadness is what's causing us to be able to, you know, talk to him and pray unto him and cry out for our brothers and our sisters and pray for their families, you know, the victims, you know, and I just thank him for what he is doing despite us being able to understand what he is doing. He always has a plan. His plan is good and it's not meant for evil, you know, and it's, it's to give us a hope and a purpose and whatever his plan is, I just want to tell him thank you. Thank you today for your plan. Thank you, God. You know, I've seen people that have had, you know, uh, spouses that have been doing work over in Afghanistan. And because of COVID, they called some of those people out. So some of them were able to come home. They could have been in the number. So, you know, I say thank you, God. I thank you for your grace and your mercy. I thank you for whatever your plan is, despite us having a level of understanding. And I said to him, have me to not lean on that understanding, but in all my ways acknowledge you and let you direct my path. So thank you, God, for whatever it is that you are doing. Thank you for your plan this morning. Now just give us understanding. Amen. 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 So many things like what Ms. Katina said could have happened. But God just like, you know, without even our knowledge, he just like, you know, protects us. And Ms. Sarah, you said it so many times, like how the angels are around us to just protect us. Yes, mm-hmm. yes, yes. Hallelujah, they are. Yes, yes. yes. Mm-hmm. Hallelujah. 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 I thank God this morning for all he is in my life. I thank him for being a healer today. I've got a testimony from my baby brother. I've got a baby brother that lives in Tampa. And he's been he's been on insulin for years and years. He has a pancreatic problem. But I thank God because God is yet still keeping him. He yes. went to the doctor the other day, and he put on the prayer line that for the first time in years, and I mean probably for over 10 years, y'all, his A1C mm-hmm. is down to 6.2. And oh, I thank God for being a God of it all, a God who knows it all. I thank God mm-hmm. for healing his body. Because he's been on insulin shock. I mean, he's had insulin well over 10 years ago. He's been on insulin. Mm-hmm. And for his A1C to be down now to 6.2 with no insulin medicine, no kind of diabetic medicine, nothing but God could do that and keep him all these many years. And I just yeah. give him praise, honor, and glory this morning for being a healer in my family. Yeah, Amen. 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 Every morning before we go into the Word, let us remember all the prayer requests. I'm sure Miss Sarah received some of the prayer requests. You know, um, you know, we'll lift up Brother Terry and lift up all of those that are, you know, offered or sent to their prayer requests. 
there are some that may be on this line that has a, a, an unspoken prayer request. Yes. Yes. And so this morning, as we go before the Lord, you know, let us, you know, give thanks to the Lord because the Bible says, enter his gates with thanksgiving in your heart. Mm-hmm. Yes, hallelujah. And that's what we did this morning. We entered mm-hmm. his gates with thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. And so as we go in this morning, um, if someone who's pressed in your heart, can you pray for all of the requests that we received so far? And, uh, you know, we'll pray that uh, even in some cases the, complete, the healing may not be fully done, but mm-hmm. it is there, you know. And so if mm-hmm. you can pray for, you know, the continuation of like a what God has began to bring it to completion. Hallelujah. I'll pray. Mm-hmm. Sure. Yes. Heavenly Father, Lord, we bless your name right now, oh God. Lord, we just thank you, oh God, for who you are, oh God. Here are all things, oh God. And Lord, we thank you that all mm-hmm. things are under your feet on today, oh God. Lord, we love all the prayer requests that we've gotten, oh God, vocally, oh God, through text, oh God. Lord, we just thank you for being a God of your word, oh God. Lord, your word says that you are not a man that you should lie, oh God. Nor are you the son of God that can repent, oh God. Lord, we thank you that your word is true, oh God, that by your stripes yeah. we're healed, oh God. Lord, yeah. we know, Lord, that healing is a process, oh God. And Lord, even though we may not see it, oh God, Lord, we know, Lord, that you're working it out together, oh God. Lord, because your word said that he who has started a great work in you will be able to perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. Yes. Lord, we just thank you right now, oh God, for just who you are, oh God. We thank you, oh God, for the manifestations of healings, oh God. We thank you, oh God, that even if we can't see it with our eyes, oh God, that we're standing on faith today, oh God. Because yes. faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. Lord, we thank you, oh God, yes. because Lord, we know, Lord, that, that that you're working, oh God, according to your will, in the, oh God, in the lives of everybody on our prayer line, oh God, everybody yeah. in our prayer text, oh God, everybody that has reached out and asked us to pray, oh God. Lord, we thank you for mm-hmm. the miracles that have been seen, oh God, that as the people pray, oh God, that miracles were being wrought, oh God, and people were mm-hmm. seeing it with their normal eyes, oh God. Lord, we just bless your name right now, oh God, and Lord, we praise you, oh God. We thank you, oh God, because Lord, without you, we're nothing, oh God. Without you, we can't do nothing on today, oh God. Lord, we stand on your word today, oh God. Lord, your word says to draw nigh unto you, oh God, and you draw nigh unto us, oh God. Lord, we just thank you on today, oh God. We thank you for miracles, oh God. Even though we can't mm. see, oh God, we thank you for healings, oh God. Even though we can't see it normally, oh God. But Lord, we trust you, oh God, that you're working that you're working it out for the good, oh God. And that you're healing, oh God. Lord, your word is, is forever stand, oh God. It will forever stand, oh God. And Lord, we're trusting on you today, oh God. Lord, we know, Lord, that you won't let us down, oh God. Man may let us down, oh God. Doctors may let us down, oh God. But, Lord, we know, Lord, that you hold everything, oh God, in the palm of your hands, oh God. And for that, Lord, we're grateful today, oh God. For that, Lord, we say thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, oh God, for loving us so much, oh God. And for coming to see about us, oh God. For coming to see about us, oh God. We thank you, oh God, that when we cry out, oh God, that you 
spirit, oh God, let us know, oh God, that you're there with us, oh God, and Lord, we thank you. Lord, we praise you. Lord, we magnify your name today, oh God. Lord, we know, Lord, that you're God, oh God, mm-hmm. and we're promised, oh God, that you never leave us nor forsake us, oh God. And for that, Lord, we're grateful today, mm-hmm. oh God. Lord, we bless your name, oh God, and we say yes to you, we're in your way, oh God. Yes to who mm-hmm. you are, oh God. Yes for being our healer on today, oh God, our deliverer, oh God, our way maker, oh God, our bridge over troubled waters today, oh God. Let's God, whatever we need you to be, oh God, your word says that I am the I am, oh God. Lord, continue to do it, oh God. Continue to do the work that you started, oh God. For your mighty namesake and your glory, oh God. Lord, we bless your name today, oh God, and we say thank you, Lord. Thank you, yes, Jesus. Lord. Thank you, Lord. And up, oh God. Nevertheless, oh God, even though, oh God, we don't understand, oh God, Lord, we say thank you anyhow, oh God. And we love you today, oh God, and we submit to you today, oh God. Lead and guide us, oh God, as you see fit on today, oh God. Yes, Lord, Lord, we thank you. We praise you. Lord, these are all blessings, oh God. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Thank God and amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. 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 The conference has been muted. Thank you, Jesus. This morning, it is such an awesome privilege to even come together like this in the midst of the saints that are just like, you know, everyone that was in this line, just like enjoying the presence of God already. Before even we start to speak on the word, we can actually feel the presence of God in testimonies, in the, in the ways we lift up God, you know. And so this morning, it is a continuation of like what we started last week on El Olam, right? It's the name that just says that the God whom we worship is the God of ages. He is an eternal God. He is a God who has a no beginning or no end. He is a God that exists outside of the time and space. This word, El Olam, L-E-L is always refers to God, right? So God of ages, a God everlasting, right? Olam represents the everlasting part of God's character, right? And that uh, what we saw last week, there were two guys who actually poured so much into this El Olam. One was Abraham, that's who we saw last week. When we read from Genesis chapter 21, we saw how when he was planting a tree in Bathsheba, he just remembered the God that he worshipped is, is, is just like a beyond his, the time. By this time, nearly, hun, uh, you know, Abraham is about 100 years old, and about 25 years ago, God told him to leave from where he was. He was living in Babylon. He was living, you know, a wealthy life. He was a rich man by himself. But God told him to leave everything and go to a place that he would show and in that journey, it just took him 25 years before he can actually see this day that he was standing on. But when he was standing on, he was just remembering what God told him 25 years ago. 
But this morning, what I'm thinking is like a, what God told 2,000 years ago, we still reap from what God has told. And everything that he said about 2,000 years, 4,000 years, or 10,000 years, however long we can remember to record, whatever he said just applies to us today because he has seen it all. And after last week, um, Sunday morning, uh, after we finished speaking, you know, uh, I had a chance to chat with uh, Miss Sarah and um, Vince. And I was telling him, when God looks at us today, he actually can see at the very same time the day that the, the children of Israel left from Egypt on their journey to the, the, the promised land, and they were met in the middle with the Red Sea. All of those things he can see all at once. He's just like, a, you know, because we are just like a, so constrained by this time and the space that we live in. So this is something much bigger. The God that we serve is just much uh, massive, right? And so the second guy is who we are going to look at today. This is Moses. And uh, we started to do a little bit about it, and so I'm going to pick up from this place where we left. And we also want to pick up um, in, in ways that, uh, you know, we can actually understand the uh, brevity of like uh, the magnificence or the big God that we serve, you know, from the mouth of Moses, right? So Psalm 90, if you have your Bible, I really love, um, even though we have like a tablets, we have laptops, we have uh, all these new modern technology, I really like the paper Bible because it just gives something about like a turning that pages that you don't get the joy of reading from an electronic material, right? So I'm going to go to the book of Psalms, uh, chapter 90. And before we go into this, look at the title. If you, have, if you have the paper copy or the electronic copy, look at the title of the psalm. Or about the title, it says Book 4, right? Because the book of Psalms is divided into five books, and this is the fourth portion of the book, right? And these five books are linked to the first five books in the Bible, in the Old Testament. And the fourth book from the beginning, Genesis, is the Numbers. And so there is a point for it, um, you know, to remember that um, as we go through this, because there is some correlation between that and the book of Numbers. The fact that this was written by Moses and not David puts this, this particular chapter to be one of the oldest chapters written in the book of Psalms. Right? It was probably written right around the time when Moses was traveling uh, in the desert. Uh, it wasn't written when he was in Egypt, or he, it wasn't written when he was in his uncle's house or anything like that. This uh, clearly a time where he was very matured in his age at this point. And Charles Spurgeon, one of the, 
the biggest evangelist and, and uh, you know, a student of the word, he just says like this about Moses, because the title of this says, A Prayer of Moses, the Man of God. That's what the title of this psalm is, right? And here, at this point in time, you know, Moses was leading close to 2 million people, right? So you can imagine his church is with the 2 million people. And when you are pastoring a church of 2 million people, you and your God have a lot of talking to do, right? And so that's kind of like this, this psalm is just like a set as a stage for us, right? But Charles Spurgeon says, Moses was peculiarly a man of God and God's man. There is something about Moses that is so different because he was not only man of God, but he was God's man for the people. He was chosen of God, inspired of God, honored of God, and faithful to God in all his house. He well deserved the name which is here given to him. That's what Charles Spurgeon says. And there are two possible times that Moses could have said that there is like a, in the book of Numbers, this psalm could be placed in two different locations because they're, they're very similar because, you know, there is something that, you know, psalmist is saying here portrays to what might be going in the life of Moses. And all this background is very important because as we are going to go through this chapter, you're going to see the, the richness of like what Moses is talking about. So it could have been uh, um, placed around the chapter 13 of Numbers, or it could be placed around chapter 20 in Numbers because they both are, you know, very possible times where Moses could have written this. So to give a context, without going to chapter 13 or 20, I'm going to give a very quick background behind this. In chapter 13, Moses has sent 12 of his people to go spy on the promised land. In the first two years, the children of Israel actually came very close to the promised land. They could have just like entered into the promised land. And... During that time, Moses said, okay, I'm going to send some people to survey the land. And uh, the 12 that went in came back with a report. And 10 of them were saying, oh, my God, the, the grapes were so big. There were two people that had to carry the, the grapes from one place to the other. And somebody said, like, oh, they are like a giant. They are like a, you know, monster height and weight, right? And there were two guys who said, like, no, 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 this is the, this is the Lord that, you know, we serve. He has given us this land. But somehow the children of Israel went with the majority and not with the minority. They were filled with fear instead of faith. They were not trusting God to walk into the promised land. So it could have been here. But the 20th chapter, this is happening after a, a, a good 
38 years. And it is also right before they were going into the promised land. And chapter 20, Numbers chapter 20, it has like a three bad news that hit Moses. And as we know, they are still wandering in the desert. And uh, this, is a, this is a chapter that records Miriam, his sister dies, Aaron dies, and uh, he also got a message from God says, you know, because you stuck the rock instead of speaking to the rock, you didn't trust me. And so God said, you're not going to enter into the promised land. So it was the lowest point in Moses' life. And a lot of scholars believe it's probably around this time is when that Moses wrote this chapter. Now, as we go into this, just like Abraham's life, Abraham saw what God had done in his life. And when he looks through the red view mirror, he sees how big his God was and is and is to come, right? That's what Abraham saw. Abraham saw a 90-plus-year-old woman give birth to a baby named Isaac. Abraham saw how his nomadic life has come to an end. Now he has a permanence written down. So he saw the magnificence of God, and he called him Jehovah. He called him El Olam at this point. He called him as a God of ages, God everlasting, right? So the same thing with Moses. Moses is in the deepest part of his territory, and he's recognizing how big his God is, right? So let's go into the chapter. Chapter 90, verses 1 and 2, is what we will see. And as we go through, we will see the other, other verses as well. He says, Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations. Before the mountains were born, or before you had given birth to the earth and the world, even from everlasting to everlasting, you are El Olam. You are the eternal God. Right? So here, what is Moses is doing? Before he goes, this is a prayer of Moses. Moses is just like an offering before God, a conversation. And in this conversation, he's talking about who this God is. When we start to pray with God, it is our normal tendency to just like a start with God, I don't have this, I want this, I want that. But really, before we even go into the presence of God, we need to know who and where we are entering ourselves into. Even in the Lord's Prayer, it says, Our Father, who is in heaven, hallowed be thy name. When we say our Father who is in heaven, you cannot talk to somebody at a distance without a phone. But if we are talking to somebody and the person that we are talking to is in heaven, we have to have access to heaven. We have to be close to proximity to heaven. We need to be in the presence of God before we can say anything. And here, that's what Moses is doing, just like the, 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 the Lord's Prayer 
When we say our Father who is in heaven, that we are talking to that is in heaven, we are immediately transported into that communication mode that has access to heaven. Right? And that's what David, I'm sorry, here, Moses is saying, you know, you, are, you have been our dwelling place, our refuge, our sanctuary, our stability. In one place, uh, uh, one translation says, you have been our den. Right? Den is a place where inside a house where you spend most of your time with your family. You don't take anybody into the den of your house. They can come to a formal living room and they can stay there, but nobody comes to the den where you actually are yourself and you have no um, you know, need for you to hide yourself or being judged. This is a place where we, we are hanging out. This is our dwelling place. This is where we are comfortable with, right? And Moses is remembering that how God has been that dwelling place in their most difficult times in Egypt. God has been that dwelling place when they were walking on their, uh, on their desert uh, before they hit the Red Sea. Moses is just remembering all the places where they could have been destroyed and how because God has been that dwelling place, they just like a quickly got into that place. I was just watching this a couple of days ago, the plane that is taking off from Afghanistan. And um, <clears throat> thousands of people are flocking into this giant plane. And this giant plane, um, the army plane that the people are getting themselves into, they're packed to the fullest. They, they were just like sitting on the floor. They were just like, a, you know, so packed that they were loading as many people as possible into those planes. And the thing is, on a normal situation, People would not travel like that. But when we are pushed to the corner, we are looking for a safe place. In a normal situation, people will say, oh, you know, wear your belt, you know, wait for the mask to, you know, the, the um, thing to come from the, the ceiling of the plane so you can put it on your... There's no such instructions were given to them. They were said like, you know, Sit wherever you can in this plane. They are packing as many people as possible as they are loading them into this plane. And the point that I'm making is this. In our most difficult time, if God becomes our dwelling place, there is no safety that would just like overcome the safetyness of our living Father. And that's what Moses is remembering. He is remembering how big his God is. And I was just researching this week uh, for this message. I was just looking for, like, a, how can I tell God that he is big? He's already big. Whether Moses says it or not, God's already big. But how do I live that life every day? How do I just, like, a believe in my heart? A lot of times we, have don't, we are not believing in our heart how big our God is. And we need to have... This ingrained in our soul, it has to be ingrained in every cluster of our body, every cluster of our blood cells, 
that he is just an awesome, amazing God that I'm serving, right? And uh, here are some of the people that are writing about this. And uh, one of them says, don't, this is, these are words like of people that has seen God, just like how Moses has seen. And uh, they're talking like this. One of the quotes that I saw said, don't tell God how big your storm is, but tell the storm how big your God is. In other words, don't tell God how big your problem is, but tell the problem how big your God is. Right? Don't tell God how big your mountain is, but tell the mountain how big your God is. The size of our God determines the size of everything that we do in this life. There's one man. Sometimes when we get overwhelmed, we forget how big our God is. Start calling yourself blessed. Start calling yourself healed. Start calling yourself whole. Start calling yourself prosperous. Because that's how God sees you and me. When we give God our weaknesses, he will turn our weaknesses into our strength. So today, you know, how do we make God greater than what he already is? So here is an analogy that I just heard, and I think it is very appropriate here. When we go out in the night and look at the stars, there are millions of stars that are out there. We don't really have a distinction between these stars. We don't really can tell the difference. And I I encourage you, one of these days, even if it is tonight, to just like go out and look at the sky, the peaceful sky that we can see. And look at all the, the millions of stars that are out there. But did you know there are some stars that are in there that are thousand million miles in diameter. You don't even realize some of these stars can be that big. Thousand million diameter in miles, right? It can accommodate 1,200 times the size of a sun. These stars, some of these stars are so big, we can put 1,200 sun into those stars. We don't really know some of these details because we don't really care or we don't really feel in our everyday life, right? Until someone brings it closer to us with a telescope. If someone just like shows us through the telescope these stars and you're looking through the telescope and when you're looking through the telescope, you see the magnificence of this, this star and you're thinking at that point in time, wow, what a big star that is. Whoa, 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 wow. How big this is. We just like are amazed by the size of these stars. And that's how we should feel when we think about our God. We should see, like, oh, my God, how big this God is. Whoa! I cannot even believe 
this is the God that I'm worshiping. The problem is is very normal in this life. Like what I read about these different people that are talking about, like, you know, how we need to tell people how big our God is. We need somebody to just like to tell people what God has been doing in our life. The magnificence of God, the bigness of our God is just like has to be shown to the people. They don't really know. The world doesn't know. We have shown a weaker God. We have shown the people, you know, this this God that is just like, you know, with a beard and a, a white dress and just walked in the, you know, for some people, he's just like someone that walked in the streets of Jerusalem. That's how they just picture, because we are picturing God from our mind. If one of his creation, the stars that we see, is tiny bit from our eyes, is so big, how much big would be the God who created them? And that's why in the second verse, Moses is just like amazed and he's like in this wow moment when he thinks about God. He's looking at the mountains and he's thinking to himself because throughout the time that we see about Moses and his journey, we see so many mountains. Even between the the path that they walked in, there were two mountains before they hit the Red Sea. That's why they could not go to the left or right because there were two large mountains. So he sees mountains everywhere. And he, when he looked at the mountain, he says, before the mountains, this is the second verse, were brought forth, or ever you have formed the earth and the world, even from everlasting to everlasting, you are God, Moses is just in this state of amazement. He's looking at God and saying, Whoa, I cannot even believe how many millions of years it would have taken for this rock to be formed to become a mountain. But God, you were there. Even the, the scientist community agree there is a, a beginning to all these things. Even when these clowns that are talking about this Big Bang Theory uh, and that's like a, it took a 13.8 billions ago, eight years, 13.8 billions ago, there was just a crash between these different, uh, you know, solar systems and that, poof, the world got formed. You know, even they're agreeing to the fact that there was a beginning to this world, right? But we are saying, and this is what Moses is saying, we are serving a God who is timeless, he's relevant to our life today, just as he was in the past. So I'm going to quickly go through five things on how do we make this to ourselves today? How do we make this as part of like a, what we are today? At least very few of them just to give this, this thought of like a, how big our God is, right? So the number one, thing that I want to go after today is life happens, we should rest in him. And and the reason why I'm saying that is this. In the third verse, the Bible says, you turn man 
back to dust and say, written for children of men. Men. He's quoting, Moses is quoting from Genesis chapter 3, verses 19, where God talked about like a we will go to dust and we will become dust. Sometimes when we pray for somebody, like what we did this morning, the things that happen for them, that their lives get changed, their life gets healed, um, life gets restored. But in other times when we pray for somebody, what we prayed for may not happen. There are times that, you know, everything that we have done, you know, it hasn't happened, right? And, and the thing is this, only when things don't happen, only when the, the, the going gets tough, we start to realize that we don't have any control over anything. In fact, God himself has said, you know, rest in me. You don't need to worry about solving this. You don't need to be. I know Miss Sarah sometimes would say, my name is Sarah, not Savior. That's true. You and I don't control the outcomes of this world. We actually have to be humble enough to accept that fact, knowing that one day we're just going to go and become a dust. And that's all it is. The thing is that, you know, our body has no value. But we, ourselves, our soul, our spirit, we will actually get like a new dress and we will show up in heaven and we will be there for eternity, right? But the thing is this, that even in the midst of all these things, God is in control. We don't need to frail or... We don't need to worry about, like, I really liked what Ms. Katina said this morning. We don't need to. There are, there are messages. There are things that are happening around us that could just, like, scare us. Think about this COVID and what it has done to this, this generation. It is just like, a, you know, it created such a, a, a distort in the minds of people, right? And, and here's the... One of the things that uh, Charles Spurgeon, again, this week, uh, uh, somehow I'm uh, fascinated by this uh, evangelist. I'm reading about this guy's life, and he says, if we had no scripture at all to prove this, here Charles Spurgeon is saying, if we have no scripture to prove that the earth was formed by God or you know, we will go back to become a dust or anything like that, daily experience, before our eyes, make it clear how all men and women, even the wisest, the strongest, the greatest, the mightiest, the monarchs and the princes in the world, be but miserable men made of red earth and quickly turn again to dust. The fact that Moses is saying this, Moses is probably tired of hearing all these things. He has just matured in his walk with God. And in his prayer, he's first time realizing he is Moses. And he's not God. In fact, his father-in-law Jethro tells him, Moses, don't just like, you know, do everything yourself. This is a problem with many of us. 
including me, I would like to do everything myself because I want it in, in a certain order, right? And I'm sure many of you are in that same boat. You want to get this thing done the way you want it to be done. And, and the thing is this, we think at that point like we are controlling the outcome of this effort, but God is saying this morning to every one of us, let it go. Let go of your control. And Moses is saying, none of these things matter because when I walked through the Red Sea, when the Red Sea parted, it wasn't my hands that made the Red Sea part. But the first time Moses, is, when he's praying over this prayer, he's realizing the subject of his prayer is not him. The subject of his prayer is God. And he says in the next verse, a thousand years in your sight are like a yesterday when it is past, or as a watch in the night. The eternal nature of God is beyond this time. And, and we are raised, you know, from, you know, he's raised about time, but we are raised you know, with this constraint of time all the time, because that's how we can see everything. But Moses is poetically saying in the verses, you know, that goes from three to eight, he's just for the first time realizing how big his God is, that he doesn't have control, number one. Number two, he's also thinking, oh, my God, he, my God doesn't have time. That's why he says in the next verse, you have swept them away like a flood. They shall fall asleep. He's talking about thousand years. And he said like a thousand years, just like a poof, gone. And the people that lived in this, those thousand years, poof, they're gone. They're asleep. In the morning, they're like the grass which grows anew. In the morning, it flourishes and springs up. Every day, we're thinking, oh, my God, this is a new world. You know, when Walt Disney created this Epcot Center, he thought he can create a new technological world in Florida with this thousands of acres. That's what he was trying to do because he thought he was controlling that environment. And God had to prove it to him. There are things beyond his control, right? And in the evening... It wilts and withers away. And for we have been consumed by your anger and by your wrath. We have been terrified. Moses saw men die throughout the way. Moses has been, has seen how God is disciplined in breaking the back of Pharaoh. You know, even in the midst of everything, the children of Israel were showing disobedience, grumbling and complaining. And Moses is just realizing, oh, my God, what are we doing? This God is like so right. And this God that I'm worshiping is just like so much in control. This God that I'm worshiping can judge me, can put me into trouble because of my behavior, right? And you have placed our wickedness before you. Think about it. Today, if God just like a, takes the video of our life 
and puts it in his throne room and watch what we do day in and day out. That's, what, that's how clean, clear his clarity is about our life. So Moses is realizing our secret sin, that's what he's saying in the next verse, secret sin, which we try to conceal, you are placed in the light of your presence. God has every right to judge us. We've done enough damages. And Moses is saying, you know, this, this God that we worship knows everything. And our days, you know, our, our, our life is like a dust. We are going to go, you know, back into this dust. Our body is going to go back into the dust and there's nothing that we can control. But he controls everything. If only this morning we can just rest in him. We don't need to worry about. We we just make our request known to him when we have our uh, you know things to be done. But the moment we surrender things to him, we should take our hands off and say, God, you got this, and I'm going to trust you. And that's why I don't like the term when people say, "Do you do you accept God as your savior?" That is so wrong. Whether I accept him as God or not, he is God. Whether I accept him as my Savior or not, he is my Savior. Will we ever say to our father or father comes to you and say, will you accept me as a dad? Will you accept me as a mom? That's just, you know, that's not right. You know, why would, you know, we have to accept our father as a father or our mother as a mother. The, the, the real question is, do you trust God? I trust you, God, today as I give my life to you, and I trust you with everything, every cluster of my belief system. I trust you. I don't want to hold anything back. God, I trust you. Is that our thought process this morning? If it is not, Moses' words are reminding us today morning that we need to rest in him because we serve a God who is an everlasting God. He has no time. And even when things happen, life happens, we need to realize that he is the only one that is real and can take care of things. The second thing that Moses is talking about in this chapter is that life is too short. Life is too short, and we should live for him. The first one, you know, life happens, and we need to trust him or rest in him. Number two, life is too short. We should live for him. And here's the thing. He says, like, for all our days have passed away in your wrath, we finish our years like a sigh. Think about it. What a sad state that it is. That the whole life passes by our eyes. And we have nothing but like a wrath of God just waiting to happen. If only our life is like that, uh, 
it will be like a sigh, it will be like a waste. And here is another point that he's making. The days of our lives are 70 years. And if by reason of strength they are 80 years, yet their boast is only labor and sorrow, for it is soon cut off and we fly away. A lot of times I've heard pastors say that, you know, our life is only 70 years or 80 years, a maximum 80 years. That's not what Moses is going in his prayer. You know, that's just a wrong interpretation of this word. Moses by himself lived for 120 years. So he, he already knows by this time he is over 100 years. Why would he say his life was just like, a, you know, complete if he finished 70? Absolutely not. That's like a ridiculous, you know, interpretation of this word. Where Moses is going is that, you know, he's trying to make a point after he has conducted funeral after funeral after funeral, right? He's just realizing that at the end, they don't carry anything with them. It's just like we fly away, and we are the only ones who has an assurance of going into heaven the world doesn't have. What the world has is very simple. The world wants to stay young. The world wants to live like we are not going to die, right? And Moses is making that point that at the end of it, because when he was in this point, this is why it is very closer to the, the chapter 20 in Numbers, because after the first two years when they went closer to the promised land, and they, they didn't trust God, and they had to wander for 38 more years on the wilderness. God said, only the people that are 20 or younger will go into the promised land. Because the ones that came out of Egypt, only two guys who trusted God, the rest of them did not trust God. And so only the two guys that gave a good report were able to go through the Red Sea and the River of Jordan, the others did not go through, including Moses did not go through. In throughout this entire journey, two million people would have died in that journey. And Moses would have to conduct those funerals. And he sees them all and he says, My goodness, if 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 only I realize my life has an expiration date. And that one day I will have to go and fly away and be in the presence of God. Why am I toiling over all these things? Why am I laboring? Why am I having so much of sorrow? If all I'm left with that I can boast when I go to heaven is how much I've worked. If I can only boast over how much of sorrow that I carried, oh, I lived a pretty life. He's just coming to the grips of the term that none of these things matter. And that's why in the next verse he's saying, teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. So the thing is, when we stop to measure, I know we were celebrating 
some of the birthdays. We're celebrating Miss Sabrina's birthday this week. And, and, and the thing is that every time we celebrate, we're celebrating the years that we have come through, 70 years. Or earlier, Miss Barbara German said like 88 years. So it's like a, we're just like a, measuring our days by the years, right? So here's what I did. I took the day I was born because the Bible says, teach us to number our days, right? So I put the days, and I started to calculate how many days it has been since I was born, because he's asking to number our days. So it's 18,615 days that, I, that I've lived on this earth so far. And today, you know, this was when I was, you know, writing this, you know, message earlier this week. And today is 18,000, you know, Actually, it was 18,720 days uh, was earlier on Thursday when I was wrote, writing this. And today is like 18,723 days. What am I saying? God, teach me how to take every day as a new birthday. We are celebrating the year, but we should be celebrating the day. What am I doing today with this new day that the Lord has given? Right? If only I'm going to live for next to one more year, then I would have had like 19,088 days. If you have a calculator, I want you to calculate the number of days that has come through. Because from today, we don't need to worry about yesterday. Yesterday is gone. Today is a gift. Right? Today is a new day. Today is my birthday. Not a birthday, year day. Today is my birthday. Today I'm like, you know, my, my life today is 18,723 days. Think about it that way. I have lived on this earth 18,725 days. Even if I take what Moses is talking about, 70 years, that's 25,000 Days. If I'm going to live for 100 years, that's 34,000 days. We have to make every day count. Every day. God is here. He's saying, God, teach me. Teach us. It's not even me. Teach us to number the days that we may cultivate and bring to you a heart of wisdom. He's talking about the term wisdom, teach me, teach me, teach me. He's saying, God, I'm almost like at this point in time, I know I cannot enter into the promised land. I've goofed up. But teach me, God, how to number my days from here. Make every day count for me. How do I make my day count? How do I put, you know, this word wisdom, heart of wisdom, bring to you a heart of wisdom. Bring to me a heart of wisdom, right? The wisdom is nothing but putting God-given knowledge into practice. If we don't put the knowledge into glorifying God in the ways, then we're wasting time. So it's, it's not like a putting knowledge into practice. That's what the world wants us to do. Put the knowledge into practice. That's what wisdom is about. But knowing that knowledge is a God-given knowledge and we are putting it for God-given glory, then we won't be laboring and we won't be boasting 
on our labor, and we won't be boasting on how much sad we were when we were on this earth. How can I make my day count? Here are the things, few things, if you're taking notes. Acknowledge that our life has an end date. But I don't want us to live that way, knowing that today is a gift. I read a couple of years ago by Tony Robbins. He wrote this book. Um, you know, he's just this motivational speaker, and he's t- talking about life and so on. And in that, he says, like, a, when you are taking a breath, like a breathe every day, right? We don't even think about breathing because it just comes out, goes in, comes out, goes in. It's like a normal part of our life. We don't even think like that. In order for us to recognize the time that goes around us, he says when you're breathing, do the breathe two times out and two times in. Make a conscious effort to breathe two times out and two times in. When you try to do it, you will slowly gain the conscious of like what is happening around us because you have slowed down to think through that. And, and what I would like to say to every one of us is this. We need to take life in smaller chunks. We need to take more breaks. If you're going to work, take a different route to go to work. Otherwise, this becomes like so, um, you know, not monotonous. I'm using for the word. It's so regular that we are not even thinking or pausing to think about it. Wait before you take on another new responsibility and fill your day with busyness. So the first thing, acknowledge that we all have an expiration date. Number two, take life in smaller chunks. Don't rush anything. If you're walking, you know, walk slowly. You don't need to rush to get there unless there is something emergency that you're trying to fix. Just like a realize the goodness that God has placed around us. Look at our children. Look at our grandchildren. Look at the, the life that we're living. Look at that, that he has given a roof under uh, uh, that we can live on, the food for us to eat, uh, the health that he has given. We just need to acknowledge all these factors that God's already placed in our life. We need to commit every day to the Lord, you know, at the end of the day, that's the third thing. First, acknowledge that we have an expiration date. Second, take life in smaller chunks. Number three, commit every day to the Lord. At the end of the day, we should stop and ask the Lord, how did I do today? Did I rest in you, God? Think that this is the last day that we're going to live. And if only, you know, we are careful with our time. There is a verse in in the book of Ephesians, chapter 5, verses 15 and 16. I really like the amplified version. Um, It it, it is a little bit elaborative, but it's really good. Ephesians, chapter 5, verses 15 and 16. It says, therefore, see that you walk carefully, living life with honor, purpose, and courage, 
shunning those who tolerate and enable evil, shunning those who tolerate and enable evil, leave them alone. Not as unwise, but wise, sensible, intelligent, discerning people, making the very most of your day on earth, recognizing and taking advantage of every opportunity and using it with wisdom and diligence because the days are filled with evil. Unless we slow down, unless we just like, you know, recognize the fact that, you know, the life is too short and we should live for him, what we will carry at the end will have no eternal value. We need to ask God that question. What did I do today? Number three, joy is possible when we depend on him. The verse 13, 14, and 15 says, Return, O Lord. Here, Moses is talking about God returning back to earth and taking over the earth. This was in Moses' mind. Forget the people today that are talking about, you know, the second coming and all these things. Moses is saying, Return, O Lord. How long will it take for you to come? I'm just like tired of being here. God, take me to where you are or you come down here. That's what he's saying. And he's saying, have compassion on your servants. Oh, satisfy us early with your mercy that we may rejoice and be glad all our days. Moses is saying, God, Show us your mercy. Satisfy us early with your mercy. God, just like, you know, is someone who can actually bring the life to the fullest till it's overflowing. He's the only one who can turn our life to the fullest till it's overflowing. And here he's saying, satisfy us early. He's talking about like in the morning when we get up. I saw this quote from F.B. Meyer. He says, there is no hour like that of morning prime for fellowship with God. If we would dare to wait before him for satisfaction, then the filling of that hour would overflow into all other hours. Meyer is saying that if only we spend some time in the Lord, rejoicing in Him, the choice of like a taking that time to have a relationship with God. In fact, Paul says when he was in prison, when he wrote the book of Philippians, rejoice. There was nothing for him to rejoice, but he was in joy because he was in complete relationship with God. He was in total dependence with God. He says in the next verse, Moses is saying, Make us glad according to the days in which you have afflicted us, the years in which we have seen evil. Here, Moses is saying, I know my end. I'm not going to go make it to the promised land because of my mistake. I understand God. But make this day a beautiful day. Make this moment beautiful as we are trying to reach that end line. Here, Moses is saying, if, you know, just like you and me, if we are having a bad day, we can tell God, I'm not well, God. Can you turn it around? 
That's what Moses is saying. God, I'm not doing well today. The day has been horrible. God, I just want to, you to take over. Moses knew that he has messed up and they are not, he's not going to see that. But he is accepting to the fact and he's asking God, make what is remaining in my life glad. Make us glad. I was one time traveling from Omaha to, I mean, Sioux Falls to Omaha, a three-hour drive. It was just like a bad day all around. I had like so many things that was going wrong that day. And I was so late to get to my flight. And halfway through, I'm going on a speed that was like a 10 miles above the speed limit on the road that has nobody, nobody in the front and nobody in the back. For miles and miles, I'm driving all by myself. And I just went 10 miles above, and there was this blue light flashing on the back. This guy stops me. And I knew I was already late going to the airport. I was just going to make it like five minutes before now. I'm sitting there on that, uh, you know, shoulder with no cars in the back of the front, and this guy was giving me a ticket. And the thing is this. I missed a flight on that day. And as I was going in at that point, you know, after I, you know, started to drive back and got on the road, I was telling God, I just need a break right now. And here's what happened. On that day, you know, as I was driving and I look up and I see these beautiful clouds and God was just comforting me. And it's not just that. I go to the airport and I was really late. My car is, I mean, my flight, I missed it. And this lady that came on that uh, phone, um, uh, you know, to change my flight, uh, she just like, you know, switched a completely new flight and charged me nothing, right? I took a later flight. It didn't cost me anything because God was saying, I got this one. I know you asked for a good day or turn your day around. I'm going to turn your day around. I go there. And I ordered the food in the airport, and I know I don't want to miss this flight, and I rushed in. As I was going in, this, this lady in the counter was checking my ticket, and I gave her that food ticket and told her I missed the, you know, getting the food. Why don't you have that food? Right? And I got into the plane, and I was sitting there. They were all settling down. A few minutes later, there was a lady that showed up in my seat, with a bag of food that I gave it for her to eat. She brought it in, and she put like a big smile on that bag and gave it to me. What was God doing? God was making my day get better. Even though it was in the midst of a bad day, he was turning that around. The last part that I want to talk about today is this. God has a plan for you and me. We need to work with him as we are coming to the very end of this chapter, 16 and 17th verse, it says, let your work appear to your servants and your glory to their children. First he is saying, God, let your work appear to your servants. Let your glory to the children. Let the beauty of the Lord, next verse is, our God be upon us and establish the work of our hands for us. Yes, establish the work of our hands. He's saying, God, make my day work worth something. 
God, I want to make this effort that I'm doing have an eternal value. I want to be a co-laborer with you. And he was saying, everything I do from here, I know I made mistakes by hitting that rock, God. But let me forget that part. Let me work on what I have today. I see some of the football players, when they lose a game, they have to come back and play the next week and the week after. Sometimes they lose games, but they have to come back with a fresh mindset. And that's the mindset Moses is asking. God, make my day count for eternity. Make this investment that I'm doing in your, your kingdom worth something. One of the, the quotes from Charles Spurgeon says, good men are anxious not to work in vain. They know that without the Lord they can do nothing. Therefore, they cry to him for help in the work, for acceptance of their effort, and for the establishment of their design. When we do something for the Lord, we want to make that work count. We need to have an influence over people. We need to remember, even after we pass off from here, what we have done to this earth, even 1% better, or help one person to get to school. If one person a food to eat, one person a, a place to stay, a stranger to stay, if we can help just one person, that's what God's looking for. Have you tried enough to do the right thing? I, I heard about this woman named Diana um, Niad. This is a woman. Um, uh, this is just a very amazing story. This is a woman. When she was 64 years old, she swam from Havana, Cuba to Florida, about 110 miles in one stretch. You know how old she was? 64 years old, right? She has tried to do it 35 years prior to it. 1978 was the first time that she tried this. And after that, she tried four times and she failed. Each time, there was a different reason why she failed. One time, the wind was against her and that she could not complete it. One time, the jellyfishes were, you know, biting on her, and she was swollen, and she could not com complete. One time, she had a storm that was against her. She could not complete. This time, this is the fifth time that she was going into the water. Her mom has just passed away in 82 years old, and she wanted to do something with her life. She wanted to live large. So exactly on August the 31st, that's why I, I was so, um, you know, fascinated by this story and the time that we are in, right? In two days' time, right, August 31st is going to come. August 31st, she started to swim. She started to chase after what God has given her as a dream to just, like, accomplish, right? And she swam without stopping for 110 miles, and it took her 53 hours to complete. And I read this graphical description of the entire journey that she was talking to people about. 
But before she even got to this space, she chose a time where the weather and wind was on her favor. But this time, she wore a suit on herself so those jellyfishes will not bite her. She had like a mask on her face. She practiced and practiced. In fact, on September 10th of 2013, the same year, she appeared before Ellen generous show, and she said that since January of that year, she was, she was working out 12 hours nonstop. She was swimming for 12. Then she started to swim 14. She, then she started to swim 18. She started to swim 20. She started to swim 24. She was preparing herself to do this. And she says that I have taken this on, on those life lessons that, you know, brick, big breaks of just wanting the journey to be an elevated experience, no matter the success, she says, that the dream that she had to cross, this time she was traveling with absolutely no cage for sharks on a water that the water was infested with sharks. And she says in the night, there were like two nights where it was a thick, thick dark, pitch dark, nothing can be seen, but she was still swimming her way. What am I saying this morning? If someone, a human like a Diana on her 64th year of life on this earth took a challenge upon herself to swim 110 miles in 53 hours, how much more ground will you and I should cover when we do things for the Lord. And I saw this uh, note somewhere earlier this week, how in 1928, we were watching TV on a three-inch TV. In 1955, we were watching TV, a 35, eight-inch TV. Then 46, we were watching 10-inch TV. In 50, we were watching 12.5-inch TV. 65, it was 23-inch. 74, it was 25-inch. 88, the biggest TV that they had in 88 was 35-inch TV. And 98, the biggest TV was 42-inch TV. I remember people that were buying for like a three, $4,000 a 42-inch TV. And then in 2008, a 50-inch TV was so big. 2015, it was 65-inch TV. In 2019, it was 150-inch TV. Right? Even the plates that we eat, you know, between the time, like in the 60s, it was an 8.5-inch plate. That's what we were eating on. Today, the average... You know, plate size in the 80s was 10 inch, and in 2000 it was 11 inch, and 2009 it was 12 inch. We have increased the plate size, right? What am I saying? If only God asks us, how big is your plate? 
when you were like in your 30s or 40s? How big was your plate when you were 50? How big was your plate when you're 60? How big your plate when you're whatever the age is today? Has that plate grown? You know, the technology has grown, the TV sizes, and we've even increased the plate size to be bigger. Are you expanding your plate so you can feed more of the spiritual food? Or you're taking on the same plate that you had when you were 30 years old? God is saying here, just through the words of Moses, I'm a big God. I want you to work with me. I have a plan. I want you to work with me. God is saying to us today that that the joy is very possible when you depend on me. God is saying today, very simply, the life is very short and make it count. Lord is saying to us through the words of Moses that this life that we are living you know, as all the trials and tribulations and the things happen, we should rest in him. We don't control anything. We cannot fix anything. We don't have a control to do, you know, the change somebody's life around when they are struggling with the cancer or anything. It is God who does it. If only we can rest on him. We don't need to carry the labor and sorrow. We don't need to boast over the labor and sorrow when we see him as we fly away to meet him in heaven. He is El Olam. He is the God everlasting. You and I are the telescope that can show how big the stars are before the people. Brother Vince. Thank you, Brother Cyril, for the message this morning from our from our God who we serve. Through Moses who wrote in Psalm ninety, El Alam, the God of ages, no beginning, no end. Existing out of time and space, he's our Alpha and Omega, El Alam. And Moses we learned that this book it's book four, which is tied to numbers 13 and 20. And it's written by Moses as one of the oldest chapters in the book of Psalms. He's a big God, and, and he wanted to know our, his magnificence. And, and in Psalm 90, it says in the first few verses that he is our dwelling place in the most difficult time. He is our refuge. He's our sanctuary. He's that den that you only invite certain people in intimate spaces. Is he present? Is God present? And he is big in our most difficult time. Don't tell God how big the problem is. Tell the problem how big your God is. As the example Cyril gave about the stars and looking into the stars in the universe at night, and how small they are from our perspective, but how truly big they are and how big our God is. How many millions and millions and billions of galaxies are out there? We should be in awe. We should be in awe how big our God is. And that we serve a God who is relevant today in our life, just as he was when he created the universe. 
we learned a couple lessons that life happens and we should rest in him. The question I ask is, do you or I rest and trust in him? We like to do everything ourselves and we think we're in control of the outcome. But God says, what does he say to us? He says, let it go. I got it. We've also learned life is too short and we should live for him. Celebrate the day that the Lord has given. This is the day that the Lord has made and we rejoice and be glad in it. And he teaches us to have a heart of wisdom. How can we make it count? Acknowledge that life has an end date. Take life in small chunks. Don't rush. Slow down. Commit every day to the Lord. Did I rest and trust in you today, Lord? And joy is possible if we rely on him. And lastly, God has a plan for you and me. Make the day count for eternity. Have a perspective of eternity. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Cyril. Sarah. Amen. Lord Jesus, we bow before you in humility and ask you to examine our hearts today. Show us anything that is not pleasing to you. Reveal any secret pride, any unconfessed sin, rebellion, or unforgiveness that may be hindering our relationship with you. We know that we are your beloved children, having received you into our hearts and lives and having accepted your death as penalty for our sinfulness. The price you paid covers us for all time, and our desire is to live for you. As we take the bread representing your life that was broken for us, we remember and celebrate your faithfulness to us and to all who will receive you. Thank you for your extravagant love and unmerited favor. Thank you that your death gave us life, abundant life, now and eternal life forever. We receive this bread in remembrance of you. And in the same way, we take this cup representing your blood poured out from a splinted cross. You are the supreme sacrifice for all of our sins, past, present, and future. Today, we remember and celebrate the precious gift of life you gave us through the blood you spilled. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Before we take the, the drink and the, and the bread, I want us to, you know, make a commitment to God to rest in him, to live for him, to depend on him and to work with him. Four things. We will rest in him. We will live for him. We will depend on him. And we will work for him. This morning, as we go into this, uh, you know, moment of celebrating God's life and that, that what he has done on the rugged cross, the Bible says in the First Corinthians chapter 11, this, you know, he was saying, this is my body, which is for you. He broke it. He gave thanks. And he said, this is my body. Do this in remembrance of me. Today morning as we take this bread, 
let it serve as a remembrance that this bread reminds us every day to rest in him. Remember every day to live for him. Remember every day to depend on him for everything and that we would work with him. Let's take this bread. In the same way, also he took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Let's take the drink. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Father, we come before your throne of grace one more time this morning for speaking to us, speaking to us clearly, God, through the words that Moses prayed. God, what was written over 5,000 or whatever time it took, Father God, for Moses to come to this point, God, I pray that you will just like it get us to that place even today. Help us to live the remainder of our life resting and trusting and working for you, Father God, that we will boast not on the labor and the sorrows, but on everything that we did for the kingdom. Every day, Father God, is a new birthday. Help us to enjoy and make the most out of it. Father, help us to have that oneness with you that we would be able to come before your throne of grace and talk to you just like Moses was talking here. God, Moses learned at his older age how much bigger you are, the El Olam, the everlasting, the everlasting. God, give us that same revelation every single day of our life that we would rest, Father God, in that truth, the truth that you control the heavens and earth, that the heavens and earth adores you for who you are. Have we surrendered this morning into your mighty hands? You take the glory and honor. In Jesus' name we pray, Father, for your glory. Amen. 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 Everybody have a blessed week. You too. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, ladies. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Have a great week, everybody. Great week.
Have a blessed day, y'all.